Welcome to Spew Spectrum, people enjoying wizardry. I'm Queerness, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this ninth meeting of Spew to order. Hello. How are you fine this day? I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing okay. I've I've had an interesting month. So, fun news is I went to New York City for the first time and saw a bunch of Broadway shows and mm-hmm. then came back and had a tough week of readjusting and now I think I'm able to talk to the peoples again. <laughs> well, that's always good. There's this museum of of TV and movie stuff, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of Jim Henson stuff, and it was awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Also, they do screenings the first Saturday of the month um, where they're sensory friendly, and they turn down like the volume and turn up the lights. Oh, Good to know. So if you're in the area, check it out. And to that note, Abby Cadabby this month, for the first time ever, watched actual, like, Muppet movies that weren't Sesame Street. Like, old school Muppets take Manhattan. And she loved it. Yay! So that's super exciting in our world. We're getting a little tired of Sesame Street after nine and a half years. I saw Big Bird. <gasps> no, that's exciting. That's an event. <laughs> <laughs> he was behind a glass case, but I saw Big Bird and Elmo. Abby would have lost her mind. So what have you been up to this month? This month has been a little, uh, weird <laughs> for us. School just started back up, and so we're just, like, the whole household is just trying to get back in the swing of things, and it's just been, like, constant. I mean, before I start complaining, let me preface all of this by saying Abby has really transitioned super well back into school. I think she was just bored all summer <laughs> and she was so ready to get back and see her friends. Um, so transitioning back has been great. So that's been awesome. But just getting back into the swing of things and then this past week Abby got sick and then I got sick. So we're ending the month Kind of rocky, but I'm ready. I'm ready for the next month. <laughs> now that we're all in the swing of it. Yay, school. Yeah. Important dates this month. Today. Hopefully. Possibly, September 1st. <laughs> um, it's the beginning of the Hogwarts school year. Yay. Other birth dates. September 19th is Hermione Granger's birth date. S- September 25th is Ollivander's birth date. And... The 26th is Quirrell's birthday, not mine. <laughs> Your namesake. September has a lot of birthdays. I thought I had more than this, though. I, maybe not birthdays, but just important dates. But even when I started to look, I really couldn't find any more than what we have listed. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I always associated September as like a 
don't know. Maybe it's just because the beginnings of the books all start in September. Maybe that's what it is. Probably. Or July. I guess they all start in July. Oh, yeah, because they start with his birthday. September always seemed very significant in Harry Potter for some reason, and I guess it's not as significant as I thought. Yeah. So... What are we talking about this month, Queerness? So, we're going to talk about some of the shows I've seen on Broadway this month. Um, mainly Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yay! So, what we're going to do is... This episode is going to be spoiler-free and just a review of the show and the book. Lavender has read the script for the first time, so we're going to talk about that. And later this month, we're going to be releasing a bonus episode where we will reveal our spoiler review. So keep an eye out for that. Um, And then I also seen Puffs, which is a parody, and it actually ended its run this month. So you can no longer see it in Broadway or off-Broadway. But it is available um, on Broadway HD. There's a free trial. I recommend watching it. All right. I guess the first thing I want to talk about that you cannot see in the books is the choreography. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about this. There was a whole bunch of music and a whole lot of dancing. It's like weird cloak dancing. (laughs) Um, But like all of the scene changes and the openings of each of the acts is there is a lot of dancing and cloak snapping and there's a rotating thing in the center of the stage and it's just a whole lot of movement. And anytime there was a like a scene change and there was like props or a table or something that was out there somebody whips their cape out over top of it and the lights go out so it just like vanishes <laughs> and there was a lot of this i don't know why it seems mostly unnecessary but it made it very entertaining to watch hmm. broadway magic because you definitely don't get that from just reading the script you don't even That never comes to my mind. Cloak dancing. Is that what it's officially called? Or did you make that up? It's the best thing I could call it. I like it. Cloak dancing. They have cloaks and they're dancing and the snapping of the cloaks is part of the dancing. (laughs) Artful cloak snapping. Also, the set, for whatever reason, they decided that the train station was going to be the, like, main set piece that went throughout the entire show so the stage has these large arches that form the train station there's all these clocks on them and the clocks become this motif that are used throughout the show um but also the um arches like move to like become the forest and different stuff so they like become the different locations but there's it's the train station the whole time (laughs) But, like, the clocks, like, because there's clocks up there that, that move, and because time travel is a major part of the show, that yes. it makes sense and it's used throughout. The other motif that I didn't really understand was the use of suitcases. So, in the very beginning of the show, there's suitcases, like, all over the stage, and as it starts, um, it's just a bunch of people walking back and forth picking up and putting down suitcases and stuff, but it's, like, super stylized and choreographed. But the suitcases then become the train. So, like... What? (laughs) They 
they lay them down in a pattern that represents like the benches on the train and then they sit on them and stuff and then like the lights are somehow rectangular so it's only highlighting the section around the suitcases so it looks like the train and then the that rotating part of the stage kind of rocks back and forth slightly so they just like set down all their suitcases and suddenly they're on a train Hmm. so that was really cool but then the suitcases like continue throughout the entire show so like every time they visit a graveyard the gravestones are made out of suitcases for some reason. <laughs> also, I love the house logos since you know they couldn't use any of the stuff from the movies. They had to redesign all the logos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the house banners were all very tall, narrow banners that had the first letter of the house name on them, but they are the animal. So like the G is a lion and then you've got the r has like feathers on it with a beak out the other end and then the slytherin one is i mean it's just a snake and then (laughs) the hufflepuff one is like a badger head looking straight forward so that the nose lines up with this the center crossbeam yeah i i thought they were just very clever and well made the the big thing of but why everyone says you you need to see it on stage though is the magic and the magic is like a cross between traditional stage tricks and magician magic so like everyone at one point did some sort of prestidigitation um they did sleight of hand stuff so there was a lot of that Ooh, fun but what made it so good is it wasn't that it was difficult to understand how they did it it was just it happened so naturally in the flow of the show that it was very unexpected and just happened. So there's people that are just thrown through the air or lifted up and turned upside down. <laughs> and like, it doesn't, it's not like traditional wires. I think it's more like the lift used in Wicked, but much more articulate than that. <laughs> yeah. But it still looked a little stiff. You know, you, you could tell that they were being picked up and stuff, but like it because of the fact that it just comes out of nowhere and suddenly they're just like in the air floating is pretty impressive. But some of the best stuff was like really simple, but I couldn't figure out how they did it. Like the flying class at the very beginning, the brooms just kind of levitated. I don't know how the brooms levitated. They just did. <laughs> one of the best ones was Harry's desk had a bunch of papers just all over it and he just waved his wand and everything just stacked up in neat little stacks hmm. and then there was like the invisibility cloak which was I mean at first it was just like whatever you know they put the cloak on they hide behind a desk you don't really think much about it they then move a couple chairs and stuff with stage magic and then they take the cloak off and you realize they disappeared over there and reappeared over there, and I don't know how they did that. <laughs> oh, and there was a weird... They were practicing Expelliarmus, and instead of the wands flying out of their hands, they disappeared from one person's hand and reappeared in the other person's hand. I don't know why they did this, but it was very interesting to watch, because they did it like three times in a row, and it was still 
crazy every time they did it. <laughs> and then time turners are a major part throughout the show, but this was probably one of the coolest things they did. It's, um, when they used the time turner, they used projection mapping. So there's a projection on the entire stage that causes it to warp and warble. Um, so like the entire set just like warbles. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this bass note that like vibrates the entire theater, Ugh. which hurt. I hate that. Um, <laughs> it was amazing, but it physically hurt, which I guess is the point, which I knew both the the London production and the Broadway production has had relaxed performances for autism before, but I'm like, why do you need that? I've been to shows before. It's not that bad. No, this this is physically painful because <laughs> the, the, the bass notes are so loud and so deep that it literally vibrates you. See, and that's one of the reasons I hate concerts, like live, really big scale concerts because of that right there i hate that but this is this is like part of the effect which is interesting was there anything that you wanted to talk about that you when you read it i mean non-spoilery i finished it very quickly because you know just as a long time harry potter fan who had never read this i was really just Anna, somebody who just finished the books again. You know, you just want more. So I tore through this thing relatively quickly. The only reason it took me as long as it did is because I had to work. <laughs> That's really the only reason. And I enjoyed it. I definitely want to see the play. It's definitely much better in person. There's, I should say, a lot of plot holes and yeah. retcons that... Seeing it in person, you tend to just kind of ignore them and just... Enjoy the experience. Enjoy it, but when you're reading it, it's very much like, that's not how that works at all. Right. It was a little frustrating, and it still left me wanting more, as I'm sure most people would say. But I still definitely want to see the play. Does it ever... Does it ever come to our city? You know I'm so out of the loop. It is not touring at the moment. There is now, I believe, six productions worldwide. So there's one in San Francisco that is just cast and the rehearsals are beginning. So they are slowly adding more productions. There probably won't be a tour anytime soon. And based on the special effects that it requires, I doubt that there will be a tour anytime soon and i if they do they'd probably have to change some of this stuff <laughs> well that's highly disappointing highly also i want to rant about the the playbills for a while because <laughs> go ahead queerness <laughs> so actually it's not a playbill it's a show bill which is the same company but it's I don't know that I've tried looking up the difference and like I got three different answers, but there's two show bills, one for part one and one for part two. Oh, I didn't actually mention this. The show is five hours long and you have to get two tickets to see part one and part two so you can see the whole thing. Wait, what? The reason it's two tickets is because you can either see it on two consecutive nights or you can see it all in one day. So it's two separate productions, but it's, you know five-hour show with a good long... Actually, it's got like three intermissions, basically. Yeah, I am astounded. I have no words. That is excessive. It is. It, 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 yes. Wicked isn't even 
five hours long. It definitely allows it to feel more like the books and less like the movies because it can be longer. <clears throat> but it, it's very long and it, it, it didn't actually feel all that long. It was actually not that bad to sit through. Well, that's good, but, but it's, goodness. It's, 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 it's kind of like a movie marathon. You watch a couple movies and then you take a two and a half hour break and then you come back and you watch a couple more movies. But anyway... Two separate show bills, one for part one and part one for part two, they were identical, other than the cover, which the cover's nice because they're like inverted, um, so it, you want both of them so you can display both of right. them, but the internals were exactly the same, ah. and what was even more annoying about that is the cast list actually has a warning that says do not read the cast list until the end of part two to avoid spoilers. And I'm just like, what? why don't you have two different cast lists then? That, mm, the audacity. <laughs> but also, I only got one button. So they have this reputation where they hand out these buttons that when it first started, you got one at the end of part one and one at the end of part two. And they said, keep the secrets. Now they only handed them out at the end of part one and it just said Curse Child NYC on it. But yeah, button. So did you go to both shows in one day or did you do two consecutive nights? We did both shows in the same day. Ooh. It started at two and then at like 4.30ish, we got out. It was a two and a half hour break. And then at 7.30ish, um, it started again. Also, there's 20-minute intermissions in the middle of both parts also. Mercy. I still want to see it, but mercy. Now I know what I'm prepared for. <laughs> and the other show I saw was Puffs. Puffs is a parody about Hufflepuffs, and it is absolutely fantastic. It does not have an intermission. It's just like an hour and a half straight through. Mm. Oh. Not bad. But at the very beginning, they said it was five hours split into two parts, which was made me very happy. <laughs> A little satire for you. The part I actually enjoyed the most was the way they got around copyright. So, like, they did things like Dumbledore was only referred to as Headmaster. There were some names that were changed because they were too copyrightable. So, like, they never said Hogwarts. They only referred to it as a certain school of magic and magic. Yeah. <laughs> which is also kind of a joke in itself because at one point they referred to it as male magic and female magic. And then the houses were the one thing that they really changed so the houses were the braves the smarts the snakes and the puffs that's cute the other thing that i thought was clever in the way they did it where they didn't actually change character names most of the names as long as they were like regular names what they did was they said the first name or they said the last name but they never said both of them so they referred to him as harry and mr potter but never as harry potter and they did that with several characters <laughs> um but then there was a couple like prominent hufflepuffs that they did like give them nicknames so like justin finch fletchley became j finch fletchley and um susan bones was Susie bones so there was a couple of those but overall i, I was just very entertained about how they got around all the co copyright stuff <laughs> i also very much enjoyed the way they represented the different houses rather than just having like the different colored scarves 
the different characters would have something different depending on what house they were supposed to be in. So the Braves had a red scarf, but then the Smarts all had a stack of books. The Snakes had like this silver crown made of snakes. And then the Puffs had like a small handmade yellow pennant flag, which was very entertaining. <laughs> also, that there's the scene with Dementors that was different. Not Like, they very much were not the way they were, like, in the movies. It was this ginormous thing, and it was quite terrifying, and it was very well done. <laughs> also, I absolutely loved Voldemort's costume, because it was very clever. I don't know who came up with this, but basically, he was wearing a bathrobe, Instead of a bald cap, he was wearing a swim cap, <laughs> and he had a Breathe Right strip over his nose. <laughs> um, Kudos to the costume people. Between the, the, like, the recorded version and the version we saw, there was like three cast members that were different. The narrator was different, and I, I liked the new guy a little bit better. One of the, Nick Carello, I think his name is, is like the one person this show was like well known for. Um, he played Jay Finch Fletchley and was a improviser. There's like one scene that he's like well known for improvising. And on the recording, there's like four or five different versions of this scene that's like in the credits, but they're all fairly short. The guy that has replaced him, I actually kind of enjoyed him much better. And this scene on the night that we saw it, he went on for about 20 minutes about the bases, as in which bases is kissing and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like <laughs> 20 whole minutes of him just like breaking this down and it was absolutely entertaining <laughs> and then another difference from the recording is um because Voldemort is now a different actor and it's actually the actor playing Cedric in act one plays Voldemort in act two and so that was a different actor and there's a part where he's talking into a megaphone and when we saw it he just started telling yo mama jokes for like five minutes just one right after another and everyone up on stage was like completely breaking character so mm -hmm. that was fun wait did he actually say you mama or was it your mum no it was yeah they weren't very british there's actually a running joke that like half the characters have american accents and there's like a reason each one of them has an american accent I noticed that in the preview. And also, whoever does, was playing McGonagall, her impersonation was, like, spot on. <laughs> and also, the guy playing Snape was doing this voice that was, like, unintelligible, but was also, like, a spot on impression <laughs> of him. So you couldn't tell what he was saying, but it was good? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. It made sense. You still didn't watch Puff, so you have nothing to contribute, and it makes me sad. I'm sorry. I do want to watch it. And now that I know how to access it, I will. <laughs> so now we have trivia. Now we're going to do our trivia. Question is, how many sets of plain work robes are first years required to bring? Answer when we come back. This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. And we're back. How many sets of plain work robes are first years required to bring? I want to say it's four, but I'm going to say five. Three. 
Well, that is just simply not enough from a practical standpoint. <laughs> At this point, I would like to remind everyone how they can send us owl mail. You can send us owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a howler by calling 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. Or you can click the link in the description or using the Anchor app. And you don't have to use your real name. Use Harry Potter names. All right. You want to move on to news? Let's do it. All right. More not news this month. Um, There is... (laughs) Several news articles um, circulating about how J.K. Rowling has lost her billionaire status by donating to charity. Again. It happened in 2012. It's not new. It's not. It's just a article came out about it and then all these other news sites jumped on it and acted like it's something that just happened. That's not how news works. That's how the internet works. That's how the internet works. Tom Felton has posted a picture of himself teaching Emma Watson to play guitar mm-hmm. in their PJs in South Africa for some reason. Um, so the internet thinks they're secretly dating. I stand this. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> I got a couple updates. So Rowling's former personal assistant, Amanda Donaldson, has now declared bankruptcy because she has debts totaling over 61,000 pounds and has not paid back any of the almost 19,000 pounds that she owed. And so Lumos will not be getting any of that money. Boo. <laughs> um, there is also new revelations about Daniel Radcliffe's relative who owned the jewelry store and reported the theft and then the police declared that there was not a theft, and then he killed himself. So, we now know that he actually had two previous insurance claims from break-ins, and had been successfully, had successfully gotten that money. So this was now the third insurance claim. Also, the investigation found that he was in debt for the same amount of money that was stolen. Hmm. Also, that very awful anti-Semitic comment that was in the police report was not actually from the police, but was from a police informant and was a direct quote from that police informant. Oh, well, okay. There's that. So, that's all very disappointing, but apparently he may have faked the break-in. The Warner Brothers Studio Tour now has a special late-night Halloween tour that will be starting at 240 pounds a ticket. Also, there will be pumpkins hanging from the ceiling. Of course, there better be for 240 pounds. They better have pumpkins. Yet another first edition of Philosopher's Stone has sold for 28,500 pounds. This one was bought from the Staffordshire Library for a pound. (laughs) Also, the sale happened on J.K. Rowling's birthday. Another story that has been circulating is about a Dave and Ruby Dunlop. Grandparents with way too much money. (laughs) They they had a playhouse built for a two-year-old that is Harry Potter inspired. 
It is two stories tall. It has an owlery. It has a broomstick swing. It has a bedroom. This thing took six weeks to build, and then it was relocated, and then put together in three days. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a new book coming out uh, in October called Harry Potter Exploring Hogwarts, A Illustrated Guide. It is a illustrated book that has a bunch of facts from both the films and the books. People are excited about it, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, me neither. Funko has announced nine new pops, all wearing Yule Ball costumes. To complete your collection. (laughs) To waste more money on a collection. Yeah. Um, John Oliver, during his Lion King tour, has recently told a story about the first time he met J.K. Rowling. It was during his first trip to America... To do stand-up routines, he um, was he had round glasses, and audiences would often make fun of him for looking like Harry Potter. And <laughs> J.K. Rowling was sitting in the first row, and after the show, came up and hugged him, and he was just freaking out because apparently you come to America and you meet J.K. Rowling, and that's just how it works. That's and, funny. <laughs> and so she hugged him and then told him he looked just like Harry. So, (laughs) that was a fun story, and (laughs) now we're moving on. (laughs) There is a new app coming from the Wizarding World, so this is kind of the first thing that we have seen to come out of the Wizarding World online since it was announced. Um, So the app is available in New Zealand currently, um, but is basically a app version of Pottermore. Um, There's going to be news, polls, and a weekly fanzine called Wizarding Weekly. That'll be fun. That'll be coming out soon. Also, in the most recent Wizards Unite fan weekend um, special thingy where you have to collect the shiny stuff, (laughs) um, McGonagall has um, dialogue that states that over 74% of the SOS people the players are Hufflepuff. Wow, that's a lot. It, it it most definitely is. Hufflepuff has very recently become popular. I see this. More horrible stuff is happening at the Warner Brothers Studio Tour. So in early June-ish, there was some glass found in burgers. And then around June 19th, an employee found glass in a muffin. They then conducted a full investigation and found metal pins that are used in the exhibit in 13 muffins. What? So all of the shops were closed for the day. The employee that found it was suspended, which she then turned around and quit because they were blaming her for this. And five days later, they found plastic in cakes. However, the police are not calling this one purposeful. But anyways, this stuff is still happening. And so now that former employee is now suing them. Hmm. So don't eat there. Eat before you go. (laughs) Bless. Universal Orlando has reintroduced a Harry Potter package. They used to have this. I don't know why they dropped it, but they have brought it back. 
It is a package for five days, five nights. It includes breakfast at both the Three Broomsticks and the Leaky Cauldron. There's a photo package included, early park access, lanyards, luggage tags, and is $135 per person per night. It's not bad. (laughs) I, I guess. The Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Ripple of Hope Award has been announced, and the four winners of this award are Nancy Pelosi, Wendy Abrams, Glenn Tolman, and J.K. Rowling. I only know who, like, half those people are. Same. (laughs) Major League Quidditch Championships in Richmond, Virginia have ended this month. The Boston Knight Riders defeated the Austin Outlaws 195-160, to and they won the Benepeak Cup for the third time. Nice. Also, because of that score, I'm like, I must research this, because I don't think they use the scoring that's used in the books, and they don't. I don't think so either. They have changed the rules multiple times and had just changed the rules again. So basically, at either 18 or 20 minutes in, they release the snitch and the seeker. So that ensures that the game is going to last at least 20 minutes. Um, Because it usually only lasts about five minutes after that point. Yeah. Um, Also, the snitch is only worth like 30 or 40 points depending on the rule set so the score was actually 8100 when the snitch was released and the score actually still got up to 195 160 so hmm. daniel radcliffe is starring in the play is it i always thought it was play mobile but he was pronouncing it as playmobile <laughs> okay <laughs> I don't know if that's a British thing or if we're just pronouncing it wrong. Um, either way, it's like Lego ripoff. <laughs> but anyways, there is a Playmobil movie. Uh, it was pushed back to December. He's starring in it. And so he's been on a bunch of talk shows and radio shows and stuff this past couple months. That's why I've been seeing him out and about. Okay. I haven't heard anything about this, but I've been seeing more Daniel Radcliffe on the internet, which is rare because he doesn't like social media yes that is why he's been in so many stuff (laughs) emma watson has helped finance a new legal advice helpline for women who have been sexually harassed in the workplace also she's going to be starring in the new little women movie that comes out in december as well because we need another rendition of little women well why not (laughs) Also, she posted um, on J.K. Rowling's birthday a old Halloween photo of her, J.K. Rowling, and Ivana Lynch. And she's dressed as Wonder Woman. Ivana Lynch is a cat person. Or a fox. I don't know. And J.K. Rowling has a demon head protruding from her face. Yeah. It's, it's a little scary. <laughs> it is a little bit scary. The Harry Potter Alliance has a new initiative called Dumbledore's Army Fights Back, and it is a new initiative to stand up for immigrant rights in America. Nice. And now our autism news. Tennessee has become the 50th and final state to require insurance companies to cover ABA therapy. Yep. (laughs) This one is just more of a really weird article that I came across, <laughs> more than actual real news. But researchers at Vanderbilt um, think alpacas may be able to cure autism. <laughs> so, 
it they have found that alpacas have a really weird immune system and their antibodies are like super stable in acid and heat and so they could do a lot of research on it and they have found that they can use them to visualize and possibly regulate the PPP2R4D2 enzyme thing that is linked to autism, Alzheimer's, and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> it sounds like a bunch of nonsense backed by supposed science, but it was a thing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, you must send me the link for this article. I didn't see this. So I found this because on Twitter I have been following just like a bunch of different autism and Harry Potter things. And one of them normally posts just absolute nonsense autism research. And that is where I found this. But this is a actual thing that did happen. You're right. The Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, ASAN, who helped develop Julia for Sesame Street, has now cut ties with Sesame Street over recent PSAs. And we talked about these briefly a couple episodes ago, that they were working with Autism Speaks for a couple Screen for Autism PSAs. And ASAN doesn't have a problem with the actual ads. The ads are decent, they do exactly what they said they were going to do. The problem is the Screen for Autism material that Autism Speak is trying to direct you to. Of course. So this material, according to ASAN, tells parents to blame their difficulty on their children. It treats autism as a terrible disease that can be cured, which is what Autism Speaks tends to do and gets in trouble for quite frequently anyway. Yep. That's what they're known for. And actually instructs parents to grieve after diagnosis as if their child had died. So, there's that. Rude. Well, good on, <laughs> good on the self-advocacy network cutting ties. I wouldn't want to be associated with that either. Alright, you have anything else to add? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I do. I'm glad you had a good time in New York. It was fun. Came back with a lot of good stuff to talk I about. I didn't get too lost. <laughs> Although the compass on Google Maps doesn't work super well, apparently, so I ended up walking the wrong direction several times. Really? You can follow us on Twitter at Spectrum People. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spewcast. Mm -hmm. Our Instagram is at spewpod. Yeah, you can send us a owlmail or a howler at 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. Or you can email us at spewcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Joan Burr for our theme music. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Joan. And until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye! Bye.
So, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. My cat just tried to destroy our whole setup that I have going on here. 